The first Cooley film breakdown of the year coming up in a moment. But first, a word about DoorDash. If you've been concerned about going into restaurants, I understand. We have been as well, but we've been using DoorDash. It's the app that brings you the food you're craving right now to your door. You've counted on restaurants. They're counting on you now. They've got to keep their sales up to stay open. Ordering through the DoorDash app is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. You just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and the food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter my code KevinDC. That's $5 off your order, your first order of $15 or more, and zero delivery fees when you download Download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use my code KevinDC. It's totally worth it. Don't forget, KevinDC, and you get five bucks off your first order with DoorDash. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. It is a film breakdown Wednesday. Cooley back on the job of handling the film breakdown. It's much better when it comes after a win, although I think some of the most entertaining shows, Cooley, to be fair, were when they were ugly losses and you would get to a certain player or two and you would just say, nope, I I can't evaluate that player. Um, Or you would pass on being super critical. But Cooley's film breakdown, as most of you who are listening know, was a feature on the show he did with me on a feature uh, of the show that he did with Zabe and Galdi. And it became one of the real uh, moments of the week during football season for Cooley to do his film breakdown of all of the players from the previous game, which is what we're going to start today. Now, let me just give everybody a heads up. We're going to do the offense today, and we will have the defense tomorrow. Starting next week, we'll have the offense on Tuesday and the defense on Wednesday, um, which was the normal schedule, um, but we're we're getting to it late this week. Uh, Still figuring some shit out right now um, uh, about how we're going to lay everything out during the course of the week. But Cooley is with me. Um, We're going to get to his film breakdown. Uh, we will start this show with just a quick what do you got or two. Um, and I do want to get your thoughts also on Allen Robinson, who may be available uh, via trade. But what do you got this morning to start the show off before we get to film breakdown? Well, I think we've got a lot this morning. I know you got some basketball stuff. I, I've, just, I've been watching the Jets, and I think it's because Greg Williams is a part of the Jets. And I just follow – former coaches wherever they are. Uh, obviously, the Rams and the, a lot of the guys that, I, that I've played for and, and then have coached for my teams. And I'm watching this Jets team. And defensively, they can be really, really good. Uh, Greg's defenses can be outstanding. But offensively, they are absolutely shit. And, Kev, you think back to when Adam Gaze was the quarterback guru in Chicago with Jake Cutler, and then he went to Miami as the head coach, and he was supposed to save everything there. And now he's with Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold is way better than he's played over the last year and a half. I think so, too. Over the last year, for sure. I thought Sam Darnold looked terrible. I think Sam Darnold played with no confidence. And I just think it's so funny 
my, my what do you got isn't necessarily the idea that Adam Gaze is going to get fired because Adam Gaze is absolutely going to get fired. It, it, I'd be hard pressed unless they make a big push early in the season to think that he isn't the first head coach fired. I, I think Gaze has created a lot of shit, a lot of turmoil. He's made bad relationships. He's had fights. He's not good with players. You look even look at the Le'Veon Bell hamstring thing that went back to training camp. Bell apparently had a hamstring at camp, and Gaze wanted to pull him, and they had a fight there, and then he didn't pull him in the game because I, I don't know if he's immature. I don't know if he's antisocial. I don't know what it is about Adam Gaze. He must be able to talk ball, but he is not a good head football coach, and he is not a quarterback guru unless Sam Darnold's really that bad. And, buddy, I just don't see it. I, I think it, it's almost more like a you heard it here first, but Adam Gaze is, is not – going to be long in new york is that's is that that's not a um you didn't have this as a head coaching call but man did you call jim tressman a day before he got fired as the ravens offensive coordinator after the (laughs) after washington beat him a few years ago that was an all-time prediction who is who's the oc in new york again i mean i know adam gase is the offensive guy but do do they have an oc yeah they do (laughs) i should be able to tell you who the OC is right offhand, but I actually I, I like Darnold. I think Darnold's a good I, I think a lot of people like Darnold. Oh, the OC is Dowell Loggins, who I actually think is a pretty good OC. Okay. So I just think there's a lot of problems with gays. And and it doesn't matter if Dowell Loggins is the best OC in the world, if there's any power struggle, it doesn't matter. Gaze is gonna win that. And I, I'm assuming because he's an offensive guy that he is the OC. Okay. Right. Uh, by the now, way, Cooley's is 38 years old. Cooley's uh, on phone, and we are going to have that, we believe, rectified by next week. We're going to have a, a much better sounding Cooley. But yesterday, uh, Monday, I think you sounded fine um, by phone. And Tommy's been doing it by phone, and we haven't had many issues with that. He, I've got a couple of, I've got one, what do you got? Actually, two of them. I'm sorry. Number one is this Joe Banner, the former team president of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, who has been very critical of the Skins over the years, was not a Dwayne Haskins guy at all, but he wasn't the only one. Um, He tweeted something out yesterday that got a lot of attention, and I talked about it a lot on the radio show this morning. Um, He tweeted out, Washington fans who are talking about how good their team is are going to look back and wish they had won quietly. That was Joe Banner, former Eagles team president, lecturing um, the Washington fan base a little bit. Now, on Sunday, he tweeted out after Washington beat his former team, by the end of the season, the Washington team will have proven that the Eagles yesterday lost to one of the worst teams in football. So he is not he's not a Washington fan after week one. And Cooley, on the podcast yesterday, Tommy and I were talking about that. this, and that is – there was a shitload of buzz coming off of their win over the Eagles Sunday. I'm talking about league-wide buzz. You know, all of the you know shows on Monday leading into Monday Night Football, all of the, you know, uh, buy or sell or power ranking segments, which, you know, I do too um, yesterday. A uh, lot of buzz about Washington, and I think it's because it was such a dominant performance defensively. You may know this. They had 31 pressures. I had the guy from Pro Football Focus on the radio show this morning. This guy, Sam Monson, who I actually like a lot. 
and he said 31 pressures is just unheard of. Like, it's a number that's just outrageous. Washington had 26% of all of the quarterback pressures on Sunday or uh, uh, through Sunday's games, so 14 games, in the entire league. They had more than a quarter of the, of the pressures on one team uh, versus, you know, the other 27 teams that had played ga- games. That's how dominant, you know, they were, you know, statistically, analytically, et cetera. So I think that's why there was a lot of buzz. Now, about Joe Banner, he doesn't like the Washington team. He was the team president in Philadelphia. He thinks Snyder is a complete moron. Um, he's among the many NFL executives over the years that have been embarrassed by what's happened here. And all of that's justifiable. Um, the, you know, owners don't want uh, the situation to continue here the way it is. League executives, former league executives, want, you know, less of an embarrassment in Washington. And I, I think he has felt very strongly that until ownership changes, it won't change. So he's all in on this is a terrible organization. But he didn't go after the organization with the tweet. He went after the fan base. When when he he tweeted, Washington fans who are talking about how good their team is are going to look back and wish they had won quietly. I have no problem, Cooley, after a win over a division rival, which was a feel-good win on Sunday, with fans getting a little bit carried away. I have a problem when the team gets carried away. And I think this team has been a massive, overpromising bunch of buffoons over the last 21 years that have consistently underdelivered. That's been the problem with the organization. I've mentioned it. It's been my go-to. They've overpromised and underdelivered year in and year out. And that's why they don't have as many fans as they used to have. Um, I, I don't have a problem with Washington fans on Sunday being excited about what they saw. I was encouraged because I thought Chase Young was a stud coming out. I thought he could be a major impact player. I thought he could increase their win probability. Um, if he were as elite as I thought he could be and as everybody else thought he could be. And I think we saw some of that revealed on Sunday. The problem with a guy like Joe Banner coming from that organization is there's been no more insufferable fan base than the Eagles fan base in the division anyway. There isn't a chestier group of football fans over the years. There isn't a more delusional group of football fans over the years than Eagle fans. Before they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, and God bless them because they did and they deserved it and they were really good that year. And it was, on some level, it was weird. I could sense the excitement of of friends of mine who are Eagle fans and how it was a lifelong dream that had finally been realized. And I I understood that that passion and that that sense of of satisfaction. And, And I was happy for them. With that said, until that year, I mean, if you talk to Eagles fans in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, before they won a Super Bowl, and you didn't know anything about football, you would think that Philadelphia had been the team that had won all the Super Bowls in the division because that's the way they behaved. We were winning divisions. We're going to the playoffs with Andy Reid and and Donovan McNabb. Yeah, but you don't win anything. The last time you'd won something was 1960. And that's what you kept referring to. Meantime, this team here in the nation's capital won three Lombardi trophies. The Cowboys have won five or whatever. And the Giants have won three or four or whatever it is. The Giants have won four. So in the division, you had 12 Super Bowl 
titles, 12 Lombardi trophies in, in lobbies of, of headquarters, and none of them were in Philadelphia. And yet, if you listen to a Philadelphia Eagle fan, they spoke in terms of being like the kings of the division. Like their team had been winning all those trophies. That's the problem I have with a guy like Joe Banner or any Philadelphia fan who says, "Hey, pipe down, you know, Skins fan. Uh, we were, we were, we were banged up. Uh, we're going to be much better than we were." And you know, uh, enough. I mean, no, we took enough of your bullshit, delusional crap for decades. For decades. It was laughable. I used to uh, one of my favorite things to do around Super Bowl time, Cooley, was to say, you know, there's a big Super Bowl party um, among all of the NFC East Super Bowl winning fans and teams, the Giants and the Cowboys and the Skins. We get together every year right around Super Bowl time, even if one of us isn't in the Super Bowl, um, to have a big party. The Eagles, you know, they're not the Eagle fans aren't invited because they never have won a Super Bowl. Even though, if you listen to them, you'd think they'd won seven of them. Um, thank God they got the one they got because 1960 was all they had for 50 years, and it was embarrassing. Um, anyway, Joe Banner can say whatever he wants. I agree. It's been insufferable to listen to, to players and coaches and management and front office execs when there's just been a small glimmer of hope. They've, they've been a very self-congratulatory kind of franchise prematurely year in and year out. I don't want to hear it from them, and I haven't heard it from them since the game. The fans are de- – the, the Washington fans on Twitter – and on uh, and social media since Sunday have been having a time of it, but so has the national media. The national media has really opened their eyes to what this team could be this year defensively, which, um, which you know, I, I've I had some expectations and I'm pretty encouraged too. Anyway, that's my what do you got? Along with one other thing, real quickly, Cooley, did you see that holding? Hold pen- on, before you leave. This Before conversation, you leave Joe Banner. Hold yeah. on. You know, three days ago, he had another tweet that said the Eagles will run more now and look balanced, and people will forget how it started and how they actually got a 17-point lead. They weren't balanced. We both we both know I, that. But I mean, that is a shot at his coaching staff a, right there. A little bit, yeah. The Eagles will run more now, and they'll look more balanced. You'll forget it. You'll forget. Really? So he just called down to Doug Peterson's office and, and made that, hey, uh, Coach, we're going to run the ball more now. So, Well, he's not that. the team president anymore. He was. He isn't anymore. I know, but he's just making <laughs> calls down to people. Like, how does he know the Eagles will run more now and look more balanced? This loss really hurt him. I mean, losing to us. Like, I don't understand. Like, the Eagles will run more now. Are, are we sure? You know what, Jeff? <laughs> the, the, Washington, the football team will convert more third downs, and they're going to look more balanced consistently moving forward. I, I talk to people. They, <laughs> they are going to convert more third downs. You're sure of it, right? Yeah. I'm uh, sure of it. Um, it's, it's weird when you're not affiliated with the organization to start telling the organization what they're going to be doing next. Um, I, I will concede that. He's butthurt over losing to this team. He doesn't like Washington. He doesn't like the owner. He's not a big fan of the quarterback. And obviously, you know, to, to get punked the way they did down 17 nothing, and then to have, 
you know, the fans on social media probably getting after him, uh, it was probably uh, enough for him. So he he snapped back. Uh, we'll see if he's right. I mean, week one overreactions are a staple in the NFL in early September. I don't know how you could, you know, um, really overreact much to 31 pressures and eight sacks, regardless of what Philadelphia had in front of him. The other quick what he got, Cooley, uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, holding penalties in week one were down 78% from a year ago. Like, I, I, you, you mentioned on Monday just the lack of penalties on offense, that they just were clean offensively in terms of mistakes, um, which, you know, is an indication of being pretty well coached. And the quarterback, you know, not, you know, having a delay a game or he didn't he wasn't forced to call one time out because he was unsure of of what they were running and that was the same last year too but i did notice sunday that there the games were moving quickly and i think part of the reasons the games moved quickly is there weren't as many penalties in week 1 i, I hope that is a trend that continues we've talked about at least the football team's game having much less penalties can you not do that anymore stop saying the football team that was going to be one of my what do you got today. I'm so sick of that. Was that it, did you see all the Twitter stuff that got messed up where half of it was Redskins and then half of it said just football team? I'm going to call them football team. That's their nickname, and I'm going to call them football no, team. No, don't do that. You're, you're getting sucked in. It's stupid. Call them Washington. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. It's, it's a mocking of them. And I think they did the right thing by not coming up with a name right away. They, they couldn't, they couldn't sure you know trademark and domain name stuff. They couldn't get that done quickly. Most teams take two years before changing brand and name. And now, You're right. and people are out there, uh, you know, whatever. We've talked about this. Uh, the, no, you're right. I mean, it's it's okay. Football team. You has can a lot say, like uh, as far as I'm concerned, but you so can say the, skins. So, so did the entire NFL. And it was funny because if you looked at last year, how they amended this, week one had at least 50% more holds. I'm sure we could go look that up. Even Tom Brady tweeted out after week one watching a game that it was egregious, some of the holding penalties. Now, there were some they missed in Washington's game. There were some holds on the old football team. Okay, but But they didn't call them. They didn't call them. So it makes fo- it makes football so much more watchable. I-, I think you almost have to tackle somebody to really call holding. Let's not go crazy. With I would I would calls. love that. I would love if it, I would love to see punt returns without a flag on two out of every three punt returns. Fifty percent plus. It's it's plus. Don't you think? I don't know if it is or not. Seems like it. Anyway. Well, and and there's some that are that are relevant and there's some that are not. You know, the <laughs> the Washington game, they had one. They had an illegal touch, if you remember, where a ball was downed inside the five and they ended up having to repunt. Right. The ball was like a 27-yard penalty, but then the very next play, Philly had a penalty and backed him back up. So, yeah, for the special teams, there's so many penalties. Were we right or were you right that there wasn't one offensive penalty of the seven called? Uh... I think I'm right. I don't, yeah, I don't remember one penalty. Two neutral zones, an Ionitis offsides, two 15-yarders, that's five on defense. The illegal touch is six. There was a seventh penalty somewhere, and I can't remember where it was. I mean, I could go through the play-by-play to, to identify it, but, you know, in, oh, another quick thing. 
Morgan Moses didn't have one of those false starts that didn't get called. I didn't notice one anyway. I didn't notice anyone. Like, there wasn't a lot of noise, so it should have been okay there. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Um, all right, let's get to your film breakdown. I, I, I need to do a spot real quickly, and I want to ask you about Allen Robinson, who may be available, the Chicago Bears receiver. But first, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans because you can see a much lower monthly payment based on the rates. Now, if you're a parent that has a kid, pass this information along to your student. Or if you're handling that student loan, which you might be, it's time to refinance that student loan. If you've been making that same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with earnest. If you've refinanced before, even today's rates are going to be lower than whenever you last refinance, so you could probably save even more. Checking your new rates fast and easy. To start, you just complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes, and then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit at all. If you want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate, Earnest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Now you can get $100 in cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash Sheehan. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash Sheehan. Now it's not available in all states, and I have to read the following. Some of you have said, why are you reading all that? Well, because I have to. Visit earnest.com slash Sheehan for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest Student Loan Refinance Loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS, number 1204917. California Financing Law License Number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401 North, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. couple quick things, and then we'll get to Cooley's film breakdown. Number one, Ryan Kerrigan was the defensive player of the week in the NFL. First time for him, Cooley. I, I was surprised by that. I would have thought that Kerrigan would have at some point during his career gotten the NFL defensive player of the week, but he was named NFL defensive player of the week um, today. Two sacks, just 22 snaps he played in, but obviously uh, pretty effective um, uh, was Ryan Kerrigan. Um, the Clippers lost last night, and I just wanted to say that it was one of the worst losses for a team um, in a Game 7 that I've seen in a long time. They looked lifeless. They looked disinterested. They looked scared. They looked tight. My favorite player, Kawhi Leonard, who has come through in every single clutch situation he's ever been in, involved in, was non-existent in the second half. Paul George was even worse. The two of them combined for five points on two of 18 shooting in the second half. And Denver, Cooley, is really a good team. They deserve it. They earned it. Jamal Murray's ridiculous. And Jokic is the best passing big man I've ever watched, period. Jeff Van Gundy said it last night. Doc Rivers said it uh, last week. Speaking of Doc Rivers, I think last night's loss is an indictment on him. He has lost a lot of game sevens as a head coach during his career. I was very disappointed in the Clippers. I also bet on them to win the NBA championship before the playoffs started at plus 250. 
50, so I'm extra hurt. But I, I really, they had no energy. It didn't make any sense watching what I watched last night. I think something's off there, and I think we're going to read about it here in the next few days. When, when I say that, I think there were some chemistry issues. Uh, there was a report from Mark Spears saying the players were drained physically. They were exhausted, and they were asking to come out after three-minute stints. It looked that way. I'm not sure why that happened. Um, but they blew a 16-point lead in Game 5 up 3-1, a 19-point lead in Game 6 up three games to two, and last night they were up 12 in the first half and then completely shit the bed. Cooley, last night in the fourth quarter, in a game that they started down eight in the fourth quarter, they didn't score their first uh, field goal. They had, they had two free throws. They didn't sh- uh, make their first shot until there were four minutes and 58 seconds left. It went. They went over seven minutes before scoring from the field for the first time and they're out and the anticipated Clippers Lakers series which a lot of people yours truly included wanted to see we're not going to be able to see um last thing before your film breakdown Allen Robinson would you or wouldn't you if I told you it had to be a third round pick and then he's a free agent next year you got to pay him would you consider him for this team absolutely yes I would consider him. I would consider working out a deal with Allen Robinson as soon as I could. If I were Allen Robinson, I don't know if this is exactly where I would want to be at this point. I'm sure part of his frustration has to do with Mitchell Trubisky. But I think two years ago, we were doing free agent film breakdowns, or three years ago, and we did Allen Robinson. And you he liked was coming him. Off, he was coming off his ACL surgery, which I think he's fully recovered from. He had a year at that point, and I said, he's the best number one receiver that you could possibly get at a discount because he's coming off a severe injury. I think Allen Robinson is an every-level receiver. I think he's a guy that is a terrific route runner. I think he's a guy that can constantly make plays for you. I think people are worried about his speed, and that's the one thing, if you're Washington, as you're saying, is Allen Robinson a true X, a true one receiver, or is he another Terry McLaurin? But in watching the Washington game, Dontrell Inman ain't Allen Robinson, and you need weapons right now. And so, yeah, I would a third for Allen Robinson and the chance to negotiate. I think yes, I would go ahead and do that. You know what's interesting is they went after a receiver big time in the offseason. They offered Amari Cooper a massive deal. Um, They thought they needed somebody else in addition to McLaurin. Um, Kelvin Harmon, I I don't know how he fit into their plans after they didn't get Cooper. I don't know if that was a big blow or not. I sort of liked Harmon at the end of last year. Um, But – uh, they showed a willingness to pay a wide receiver. They felt like it was a, a big enough need. There's another part to me that says that they will be interested in Robinson, um, but it may take another win. If they were to win at Arizona and they were 2-0, and and let's just say um, in the division on Sunday – uh, the Giants lost at Chicago, the Cowboys lost at home to the Falcons, and the Eagles lost uh, against the Rams. And the Skins were 2-0, and and the rest of the division was 0-2. I think there might be um, an increased sense of urgency to treat this season as a big opportunity. 
and they clearly think that that position is a weakness and that maybe if they beat Arizona, or Chicago won in week one also, um, and they came back from 23-6 down. By the way, Matt Patricia Cooley, just as a quick aside, has 11 fourth-quarter lost leads in his brief coaching career in Detroit. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, that's really hard to do in a short period of time. This is year three for Matt Patricia, right? It's it's only year three. Yeah, three. Yeah. Um, so part of me thinks... Should have been a, should have been a fourth-quarter comeback that they executed in Detroit. Yeah, there was because DeAndre Swift dropped the touchdown pass. Um, I, I think that they might be interested after another win this week. Now, someone would say, well, they were interested in Cooper before. Okay, um, that's true. And my answer at the time, and I forget if you and I had this conversation, was Ron Rivera took this job for one reason more than any other. He looked at the defensive roster. And he said, I can turn that thing around pretty quickly. Now, what he's done publicly is he's talked about culture change, which there has to be one. And it takes time. And the military process takes three, four, five years before you change the culture. And by the way, that's Ron Rivera's approach, which is under-promising, which I love about him already. But I think he believes, when he looked at this roster very closely in late November, early December, whenever it was, that he could turn around the defense quickly enough and that if offensively they could add another piece to help out Dwayne, that they'd actually be a much more competitive team than anybody was expecting this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's this week, but if they win again and they start to look here early in the season like this could be a season, like we could go have ourselves a season, then why wouldn't you if he's that good and he's going to help you that much? Um, so I, I, I tend to agree with you. You know I love Anthony Miller on that team. And, and, and he's starting to play well. Like when he's been healthy, he's played well. Uh, but he's not available. He's not going to be a free agent next year. Allen Robinson's going to be a free agent next year, which, you know, and it may be time for Chicago to deal him. Chicago did win a game in week one. But anyway, I, I'm rambling here. Allen yeah, Robinson. I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I think that Chicago's probably working on a deal for Allen Robinson. It's just probably nowhere near what he wants. And that's the other question is, are we going to be able to work out a deal? I think the receiver franchise tag around 18 million bucks. So if you didn't work out a deal, would you tag him? Uh, if you tagged him, would he be upset? But I think that there's so much that goes into this that you don't want a Trent Williams situation. Right. Um, I, the one thing, if you look on Twitter and you look at a lot of the Bears players, they it's a hashtag extend AR. Extend A-Rob, extend A-Rob. When players do this, it's because the other player that they're talking about is a good teammate. Right. So i got to assume that not only is Allen Robinson a good player, because all the players like him, he's a good teammate as well. I think a lot of Allen Robinson. So yeah, I, I would definitely try to trade for, for Allen Robinson. It's just, if you're Chicago, why would you give Allen Robinson up? for a third-round pick, you have a good defense, you need weapons to surround your quarterback, and you're sitting there saying, franchise tagging next year if we can't get a deal done. Why would they want to trade him? Yeah, I don't know. They, they probably wouldn't. Because he's unhappy? Uh, who else? I mean, they've got Anthony Miller. Who else do they have on that team? I mean, you know, we know what they have in the backfield with Tarek Cohen and the guy from Iowa State, whose name is escaping me, the draft choice from last year. I think they, they picked it. Montgomery. Oh, uh, David, David Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. And I think they picked up Jimmy Graham. 
Um, yeah, they do have Jimmy Graham. And they drafted that Cole Komet, um, didn't they? Wasn't that the Bears uh, that drafted the Notre Dame tight end? Oh, yeah. I, I think Cole Komet's actually awesome. Anyway, all right. So, so, so yeah. yeah. And, but then after that, you don't have any other receivers. They dra- the Riley Ridley is a guy they drafted. Darnell Mooney, Cordero Patterson. I mean, it doesn't do the Bears any favors right now to trade Allen Robinson. No, uh, unless you don't think you can sign him next year and you don't think you're good this year, but you just won a game. So You don't do it before you're – I mean, you don't do it until you're not going to make the playoffs. I agree with you on that from their perspective. You said something else real quickly, and we're going to get to the film breakdown. It will start literally in 30 seconds. You just said – you know, is Allen Robinson, you know, Terry McLaurin, or is he a real legit number one? You still don't think Terry McLaurin's like an obvious legit number one receiver, do you? Well, we'll get to that in the film breakdown, I, I guess is what we'll do. I, I think he could develop into one. Okay. I do. I do think he could develop into one. I d- I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the edge there. All right. Let's get to the film breakdown right after you hear uh, this about Indochino. Hi, this is Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. When I buy dress shirts off the rack, I tend to end up with shirts that drape off my broader shoulders and look boxy on me. Just the other day on vacation, we took a family photo, and the shirt I wore just looked way too big and wide. It was amazing how much better the photo looked when I switched into my new Indochino shirt. My wife and I had taken my measurements at home on Indochino.com and sent them in, and my new shirt emphasizes my shoulders, but cuts in so much better across my chest and stomach. I looked and felt way more confident and stylish. With Indochino, you can get custom-fitted suits, coats, shirts, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices, and you can customize everything from the fabric to the lining and the lapel shape, even add a monogram. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. And it's super easy to order and get it shipped fast, no matter where you live. So go visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America, or do what I did. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So I'm as excited as anybody for the film breakdown, watching film is amazing. Um, having football is amazing. We've always had this debate, Kev, on the grading scale, and we're not going to have it anymore. We had it because I was calling games for the Red for, for the Redskins is who I was calling games for, and now I'm not calling games for the Washington football team. You always wanted it on an A through F high school grading scale. I think a lot of football teams, their scouting departments do it on a one through five, which essentially is the exact same thing. One through five, A through F. So we'll just do it on an on an A through F scale. I like the A through F. I think that's the easiest thing to follow. That was always my pitch to you, but I was always open minded on whatever you wanted to do. It was when we got into the numbering thing where you were you would do like, you know, you'd say uh, sixty eight isn't you know an actual D. It can be more like a C or that <laughs> stuff started curve? to get, that started when you had a curve in there. That really um, threw me for a loop. So I like the A through F uh, grading scale. So let's get started. Let's start with Dwayne. Well, the question is, is should there be a curve for Philly? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so here's what, here's, here's what I wanted to do with Dwayne Haskins. is I want to do 
the the negatives first, and I'm progressively going to to walk you through the game with some of the negative plays. Because you do like to follow along, and everyone does, I'll try to give you situationally the plays that I'm talking about and some of the things that I'm talking about when they are impactful. Then we'll get to the positives, and then we will get to the grades. The rest of the players will just essentially run through notes and then the grade for the rest of the players. I think Dwayne Haskins is really interesting, and I think this game is really interesting, and I think a lot of people could see this in a lot of different ways. But I want to start with this. I thought Dwayne was terrible in third-down situations, especially in the first half, and I thought, personally, Scott Turner did a poor job getting them into good situations in third and seven-plus situations. I didn't like a lot of the concepts. I didn't like what they were doing versus versus an Eagles defense that you, you pretty much knew what they were going to do in third down situations. And so some of those plays, I didn't think that there were great options for Dwayne to progress or read through. Um, a couple thoughts in the run game. I like the speed option stuff. I like the RPO stuff. I, I like the read option. I like integrating and mixing those things in. I didn't think Dwayne did a terrific job with some of these, I, I think early in the game, there was an RPO type boot and the defensive end crashed down. I, I think that he could have pulled it. Really? It, I, it was a third and two early in the game. Yeah. And he's pulling it to what is going to be a boot almost with McKissick coming out in front of him. I saw this last year, this type of play as an RPO boot type of play. Watching Notre Dame play... Louisville. Louisville started running last year in the opener, and I loved it. It, it, It's that gun boot. You can hand it or you can pull it, and then the back coming across is running out into the flat. I thought thought it was a fun little play. Uh, He ended up giving it to Barber. They didn't get the first. I just didn't think he had a numbers count to run the ball. So that I think he, he can look at. I think the first speed option, he ends up pitching out to him. Uh, to McKissick that right. was a bobble. There were three players outside of Dwayne as he was moving to his left. That's got to be a quarterback pull. And the thing I hate about speed option is in the NFL, instead of protecting the ball, he's essentially protecting himself. And I don't blame him for that. Right. But it's, it's like, fuck the speed option in the NFL. It's our quarterback. We don't need to be running speed option. Right. It, should have been a, it should have been a pull. He should have pulled it. He it, should have pulled it, he should have cut it back, and he should have taken it upfield. And any high school quarterback in America that runs option would have pulled that and would have taken it up the field, and most college quarterbacks would have as well. Dwayne's not an option quarterback, so don't run option. They had it in there, but explain to everybody, because I'm sure most of you understand the difference from just a typical read option, zone read that the quarterback keeps – um, off of a fake, you know, handoff versus what you're describing, which is coming down the line and having the option to pitch. Go ahead and just explain the difference to everybody. Well, it ends up being a two-back backfield. And so for Dwayne, he's got a back on his left and a back on his right. And you can do this with a receiver. You see these receivers in motion and then wrap the quarterback behind in that behind the quarterback motion all the time. They did that last year. Washington did. And so he's initially going to key the defensive end on the front side, or what would be on the back side of the, the initial run, to the side he's going to run and pull to. Does that defensive end crash down the line of scrimmage and run down the line to chase the back? 
If he does, then Dwayne's going to pull that ball, and then he's going to go and option the next player. On the particular plays Dwayne got out there, there were really three players outside of him. It, it, there was nothing to pitch. Right. So you just add another back into the element. It's, it's really, if you really think about it, it's old-school dive option. It's not, it, it's not speed option. It's dive option that Box Elder High School in Utah ran, or every high school in a, that Georgia Tech ran. It, make the first back the fullback, uh, and you're, you can do it under center. Uh, do you give the first back, or do you pull and run option? Just watching the end crash. Same concept. Um, he, didn't okay. look, he didn't look comfortable in that either. He didn't look comfortable running the ball in particular. I don't think he looked comfortable running the zone read that he pulled down on the goal line. Right. He didn't look slow, but he didn't look comfortable in space. He definitely didn't look comfortable on that naked, which was a third and two. It got him to a fourth down that they went for. Where you're like, just run to the pylon. Right. Why are we cutting this one back? We didn't, we didn't cut back option early. And now you want to cut back and take a shot. So I, I didn't think he, he looked comfortable running the ball. Uh, all that said... Just the idea of adding the quarterback as an 11th player in the run game, even in certain situations, does give you some advantages to how you hold the safety and what you're doing to their defensive line and how they're playing runs. So a lot of these things I'm saying, I, I don't think he looked particularly great in it, but you have to honor it. Yeah, because as as the game, because you see, well, you see non-mobile quarterbacks, and we've seen that over several years, including guys like Ben Roethlisberger. At least show it every once in a while, so the team thinks there's a possibility of it happening. Yeah, I mean, three-yard gain's a good gain in the NFL. If you can get three or four in a lot of situations, and you do it two or three times a game, then it absolutely has to be honored. Right. Okay, the pass game. And this is essentially, these are the negatives, What, in my opinion, as I progress through the pass game. The first third down, the Wes Martin meme play. He, he takes a huge shot on that play. He still gets the ball out. I, I, I've looked at it over and over, and I'm not going to alleviate Wes Martin from fault on this play, but I think you might want to just go ahead and try to avoid because you can't throw it until the timing of the play has actually been created. You're just throwing that one out there willy-nilly before your receiver even gets close to turned around. Uh, that timing takes forever to develop to be able to trust a receiver. I like that he's throwing with anticipation, but I, I think it's more anticipation of getting hit than it is anticipation of his receiver turning around. I like that he's not taking sacks as well, but at the same time, you're not converting a third down. So I think your best option there is try to sidestep or avoid when you have immediate pressure on third and long. It's not a huge negative by Dwayne Haskins. It's more of a negative by Wes Martin. And I didn't love the play call. But that said, do you want to get hit in the face by Malik Jackson or maybe just try to avoid him? (laughs) Let's take one on the chin, coach. I'll show you. Toughness. Uh. Next drive, you missed McKissick on a kind of a wheel out of the backfield. It was a four-verse. It was a cool play. They had the tight end to the right and then just McKissick out of the backfield. And they were running two-verse on that side. Just no touch on the ball. No touch on that one. Running back running a wheel out of the backfield. And it's, it's the right throw because the linebacker runs underneath the tight end, which should allow McKissick enough room to get – downfield and it did you just have to let him run under that ball 
you got to think, like, that guy's wheeling, turning his body out of the backfield. He, he can't just go catch a bullet at his head. The running back. You know, Rivera said that, Cooley. You, you mentioned that on Monday. Rivera, one of his criticisms of Dwayne, he's got to throw some of those balls with more touch. And it's those flat throws to the running backs where you see it the most. I think you see it across the board. Okay. I, I do. And I'll get to the next, the very next comment is that he throws that inside seam to Inman on a second and 10 on the third drive. It's an overthrow. The, the ball, it's a bad ball. I mean, if you're throwing the ball on a rope 20 yards down the field, you got to let Inman run under that. That's the right read, and that's, that's a throw that he's capable of making, but that's not the way you throw that ball. You've got to let Inman track that all the way to the sideline. This inside seam route that you see everybody throwing now right. has essentially replaced the corner route in a lot of offenses because it's an easier throw than the corner route. Dwayne's got a one safety, one high safety in the middle of the field, and he's got Inman basically one-on-one from the numbers to the sideline, really almost from in middle of the hash to the sideline. They let him go run under a ball. Or at least make it a 50-50 ball where you're throwing it on the opposite side of Inman and he's really the only guy that can jump and get it. It's just no touch. Right. Uh, third and ten, the next play on that drive, he lets it go to McKissick way too fast. It's, an, it's a, literally a Nolan Ryan fastball. The route doesn't develop. He had time in the pocket. He's got to climb and let these routes develop. He's got to be able to climb and move. He can't just hit his back foot, open his hips, and fling it. Not on third and ten to a running back. Can I just go back to the Inman play one more time? Because I'm just sure. looking at it and I just got to it. Um, the... the that's the. I just want to be clear on that. That is the right read, correct? Yeah, that's the. No, that's the, that's the absolute right read. Because Inman's got man coverage, um, and he's actually got a step on the guy. And you just there is some traffic. There is, you know, he the pocket is starting to collapse up the middle on that throw. But that's the perfect example of the non-flat throw that he's got to be able to throw with more touch. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. And the other thing, if you add more touches, you actually increase the chance of DPI because the ball he threw, no one had a chance to make a play. It's an uncatchable ball. Yeah, right. This was like, early, this was early early in the game before he got into any rhythm, but go ahead. Yeah, early in the game. Right. Absolutely. Third drive. And then they go three and out on that drive. Right. Uh, he throws a near pick to Logan Thomas on a crossing route on the fifth drive, I think, fourth or fifth. Fourth yeah. drive, you know, it's fourth drive. It's a third and two. That's, that's just a mesh concept. I think they mess up the mesh. And when I mean mesh, it's Terry McLaurin running across her at three or four yards, and then it's Logan Thomas running across her, and they create a mesh. So three pick kind of deal. I think Thomas should have been on top. It's always the tight end, the guy that sets the pick. I couldn't tell you 100%, but I can tell you 98% that Thomas went under and messed it up. But that said, Dwayne just panics, and he just throws it hard at Thomas, and it's almost an interception. If he didn't throw it so hard, it would have been a pick. He's got to continue to progress through and find another option. One-on-one on the outside to his left there, 
he could have ran in man coverage. But you can't just throw that ball because you don't have anything else. Right. You got to find something. You got to make something else happen. Third down. Uh, this isn't a first and ten, a second and six where we got another down to live on. We, we you can't make that throw. Um, progressing through a third and eight on the fifth drive. So they're still down. They still have not scored at this point. Yeah, it's ten nothing, right? At that point, yeah. Third and eight. Inman runs a about a sixteen to eighteen yard in, and you have Logan Thomas sitting at about eight yards, and you're judging a high low read between the two of them. First of all, I think you would have been complete to Logan Thomas if he'd come out on time to Thomas, and you would have picked up the first down, but. Secondly, it's late to Inman, and it's a bad ball low, and he has no chance to get it. And again, it's, we've got to throw competitive balls here. And at this point, he's in progress to 3-13. and 13. Right. It was, th- it was 3 like for 13, point, 32 yards. He had the one run for 19 yards, which you haven't talked about. I'm sure that'll be a positive, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, it, okay, so, yeah, we'll get to that. The the one run for nineteen it was nineteen. Yeah, it was nineteen yards. Should have just thrown Sims. Sims is running wide open in front of his face. <laughs> Five yard in. I'm not going to criticize the run. I gave him a positive grade. That's why I didn't get to it because right. I put it in the positive side. But he should have just thrown it to Sims. Now I don't know how I can see it. Um. And then a third and 13, he, I just like to see him climb the pocket. You know, another one where Wes Martin gets his, gets his ass kicked, but it's like step up, climb the pocket, drive the ball, throw the ball with power, throw the ball with accuracy. Because he's not moving properly in the pocket, stepping up, climbing the pocket, right. driving off his back foot, creating space for him to throw the ball, for him to actually use and drive off his back leg, he's throwing with poor accuracy. Down the field is not very good. And he can make those throws, but between 9 and 18 yards, 9 and 20 yards, it was not good. That third and 13, though, he, I mean, I'm watching it right now, and he gets hit right when he throws it. There's pressure immediately. Where should he have gone on that play? I know I the footwork's bad. He should have gone elsewhere. I just think he kind of moved slide. I will also say this: that's the that's, that was to Inman, right? Uh, that was to the Thomas. He throws it in the dirt to Thomas uh, under pressure on the third right, and thirteen. Right, right. That's the third and thirteen. No, I just think that he's got to find a way to move in the pocket a little bit better. I mean, I know you're not taking sacks, but on third and thirteen, does it really matter if you take a sack versus just throw a blanket incompletion out of nowhere? Right. If you're going to punt either way, just, just look try to up. make something happen. Yeah, it just looked like on that one there was no pocket to move up into. I, I think if he slides right on that one, okay. up and up and right a little bit, he may have had a chance. Look, look <clears throat> he's just going to have to find a way to manipulate the pocket a little bit better. He's capable of doing it, and I've, I've watched him do it. Last year I watched him do it a bunch of times. Sure. Uh, fourth quarter, you open up. I actually thought he was going to open up hot in the fourth quarter as he completed four in a row, but – 
he, we're on a run action pass boot and he throws behind Terry McLaurin on a crossing route. Terry's wide open right there. You got to make that throw. Uh, sack fumble. He's got Sims coming out of a kind of a little arrow route. It's like selling a seam and then breaking back to the middle of the field. It was one Santana used to always catch in third down situation. I know he's going to take a big hit and he ends up taking a hit anyways, but he's standing there jacking that ball. And it's just got to come out on one hitch, or it's got to come out on a plan throw. Had him. Had him. But the next drive, a second and 10, he takes a sack on an RPO. Brandon Sheriff did get blown up. That was crap. But still, I, I, it's either Inman or it's Dwayne. If Inman's supposed to be running a three-step slant on the second and 10 RPO that Dwayne gets sacked, then I can see why Dwayne's sitting there waiting on him. If it was five steps, he's got a window. He's got a throwing lane. Even still, I think that ball's got to be out. There's You just... Yeah, but you can't pull it down on RPO because even if, if you don't get sacked, your linemen are downfield. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the when thing. you throw in the dirt. Like that's the one you throw in the dirt. If you don't trust it, throw in the dirt. Because there'll be you people have downfield. To survive a bad play. Mm-hmm. There's either people downfield or going to take a big hit. Because on the backside of that, sheriff's really just blocking the backside of runs. Really, that they just call that big on the backside, and they just make sure that they cut off the backside for if if they were going to run. They don't know if he's pulled it or given it on the backside. Got it. I don't like that he gets knocked into the backfield, but still, like that that ball, you can't take a sack, even you can't take an illegal lineman downfield. You, if you don't like it, throw in the dirt. It's almost like when I say this a lot: when quarterbacks run a boot and there's someone right in their face, throw a bounce pass, survive a bad play. Can't be in third and fifteen situations. Uh, there's a third and three just into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I got it. He throws to McKissick on a little anger out of the backfield. I'm looking at it right now. McKissick. I mean, maybe, maybe you hit him right in the <clears> gut and he rolls forward for a yard. But as that next backer inside of McKissick, so maybe over the, tack, over the tackler guard, does not run with Sims, who's crossing, you just progress to Sims. Now, that said, I think Sims should have sat down and right. stopped his route. He, he keeps running, so he would have fucked Dwayne anyways. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they coach guys to stay on the move, but I doubt this was coached to stay on the move. In zone coverage, Sims should sit and find a hole there. So I, I'm not going to credit Dwayne because he threw a ball I think he shouldn't have thrown. I, if you'd have looked to Sims and went, what the hell are you doing? Then I'd have, and, and then taking a sack, I'd have said Sims messed that play up. Yeah, because you can see it's clearly zone coverage. This is a big play, by the way. Early fourth quarter down 17-14, third and three at the Eagle 21-yard line. And it's the one where he throws to McKissick, and McKissick's got two people around him. And he's and even if he makes the catch, he's short. And Sims is on that crosser. And Cooley, like you said, like you always hear against zone coverage, you got to sit down in the hole of the zone. If Dwayne hits Sims, he turns around and he picks up another five. The chains are moved. Exactly what it is now, but Sims doesn't. But that didn't impact that play at all in the way it played out. Right. I also think when you're coaching the running back in those situations, McKissick, you coach that route to be run with more width and more depth. Like he should really be selling like he's pushing more vertical out of the backfield with width and get another yard of depth. As a back, you can't run that at the line of scrimmage because you're not going to get any yards, and you're also not going to push off coverage. And that's not an option. So not good, that's not an option route for McKissick. Uh, no, I think that's just a little angle route that's following the crossing route. Got it. It could be. I, I'm not saying it's not, for sure. It just doesn't look like he's ever 
was thinking about making a choice. An option route into zone coverage right there, he would have sat down at about four yards. Just turned, just ran and sat down at about four. If he did it right. If it was an option, he did it wrong. Right. Uh, a couple more, and then we'll move on. There's a boot throw that he's airmailed to Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is running a corner post off of a boot, so it's a double move off boot. I actually like the play design, and I think Logan Thomas is open. Dwayne has plenty of time, and he throws it like a rope over Logan's head. Should have been a pick. If 23 is back there playing quarterback eyes at all or the ball and not the player, he's going to pick that ball. But for that play, if you pull that up, Dwayne's just got to flatten him out. Don't throw it high into the end zone. Flatten him out to about the 10-yard line. Let him flatten that post and run it almost like a crosser instead of to the post, and he'll go down and make a catch. Those are the plays he needs to see more of. He needs to be able to see where he can make plays on these types of plays. I I doubt he's ever thrown that in a game. It's a horrendous throw, though. So when I looked at all of this, on passes beyond the line of scrimmage, he was actually 11 of 25. I mean passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Not swings to the back or screens. <clears throat> 11 of 44%, 44% throwing the ball down the field. And if you really start to take out a couple of easy throws, like a quick spot route to Terry and a guy... On throws that were contested or there was any coverage or any pressure, he was like 20%. Okay. So let's get to the positive. <laughs> I mean, this, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm riveted because I, I was very, more than anything else, I was really interested what you were going to say about Dwayne. And 17 of 31 for 178. I was like, yeah, but he, there, he had the big plays. We talked about that Monday, so I know we're going to get to that now. But, you know, the fact that 11 out of 25 on throws beyond the line of scrimmage um, that didn't include some of those swing passes, which, by the way, were uncomfortable. You mentioned it before. They weren't thrown with a lot of touch. He's really got to work on that. Because they could I, I, they could, had to work on that coming out of Ohio State. Yeah, they could have been incomplete, some of those swing passes into the flat. All right, go ahead. What are the positives with Dwayne? All right, as we progress throughout the game again, kind of re-rack this. Uh, the second drive, the first play of the second drive, they're opener, they go with the boot, and he hits Terry McLaurin for about 17. Terry does a good job sitting down in an open spot, and Dwayne puts it right on it. It's a good throw. And when you see this, it's almost like – you're, when you're playing golf and you finally hit a good drive, and you're like, I know, I know I can hit a good drive. <laughs> I have a good swing, but I'm doing something wrong because I'm not hitting good drive. It's the perfect analogy. Also, it's also, the perfect. Also we, I can do we this. Chip. See? I just, <laughs> I just we, we did it. Well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we stole a lot of chips, too. Yeah. A lot of those. Uh, there's another run action pass. Quickly, he, he ends up throwing a ball away. That that I like. Like it, immediate decision, throw a ball away, get it out of your hands. There's nothing there. I like that. Um, the third and sixth scramble we talked about. I, I, it's a it's a great job taking off and, and knowing that he's taking off, and also I think understanding the concept on that side that had two ends. 
so they were breaking to the middle of the field, and man coverage pulled the defenders to the middle of the field. But right. pull up the third and six and tell me that Steven Sims Jr. isn't wide open in the middle of the field. Hold on, i got to find that one. And tell me that's not the number one premier read. And then for me, it's like I ask myself, is this the sophomore quarterback who's basically saying, okay, I know I got man-to-man coverage here. We've talked about this. If I have man with two ends and I end up getting the left edge, it's like I'll get the first down. So instead of seeing if somebody wins, he just thought he was going to run immediately. Do you have a problem? Because pro- if he, like you tell me, he can't see Sims there. I, I just don't understand that. Do you have a problem? Do you have a problem with him when you know you've got you know a fifteen to twenty yard sure. play in you without any contact and any risk? Do you have a problem with him turning down? I'm watching it right now. I see Sims. But I also see the complete left side of the field open up with no defenders looking, and it's going to be ultimately a much bigger play than if he throws to Sims. That's debatable. It is? You're telling me that Sims can't make a play? Sims got a lot more speed. Sims Uh, has got two steps on a defender, and it's man-to-man coverage, so the next player that's going to come tackle him is Stacey. Look, Sims... He might get get shoestrung right there. It's... Sims is going to ca- have a problem with the run. Sims is going to catch the ball three yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So c- can he catch it and then make another 15, f- 16 yards to equal? Look, by the way, Dwayne's run could have been longer too. He stumbled at oh, the yeah. end of the run. I mean, he basically yeah, he tripped himself. Up. He could have picked up another five, six yards and, and gotten out of bounds. Um, you know, they were looking for something at that point. They didn't – I think they had the one first down on the throw to McLaurin on that, you know, on that bootleg thing where he threw back to McLaurin that you've talked about. Yeah, and, and, and they're down, And they're down 10 nothing, and, and now they got to – you know, they got to create something. I guess all I'm suggesting is – By the way, that was a third down, too. you got to move the chains. I, I'm totally with you. And, again, I'm not going to criticize the fact that, that – we got a 19-yard run, and a quarterback who clearly understood what he wanted to do with the ball there. I'm just suggesting, how do we not see the idea of how? Do, why do we not see, see Stephen Sims? That's like a Dr. Seussism there. To see Stephen Sims, I can't even say it. <laughs> right. I don't know. Tell me your quarterback. You're not going to throw that ball. I'll defer. Again, I'll defer to you. The, take out of the equation that there was success on the play. It's th- look at pause it and tell me that that ball isn't an easy throw. I, I'm not saying it's an easy That's throw, all. but I'm I'm not I'm not guaranteeing any. In watching this play and seeing Sims come underneath, if you get it to him right away, you do have other activity um, on that side of the field, and you have none on a third and six. And it's an absolute lock that Dwayne's going to get the first down and a lot more. And I think when he, when he noticed man coverage and knew what he had going on the other side of the field, he knew it was going to open up. Well, if you give me that answer as a player, I'm going to tell you great job, and I'm going to say that Dwayne made the made a good play. I, he probably made the right play. I'm just I'm just interested. It wasn't like it, there was nobody open. Let's put it that way. Right. Okay. He really did trade the sideline and tripped him up pretty good. Yeah. It did trip him up pretty good. That happens to everybody. Yeah. Not not that bad, but <laughs>
Um, okay, so we get into the AF moment, after Fabian moment. Right. It's slant to Terry McLaurin on the right side of the field. It is an easy throw. Terry's wide open. It's, a, it's fine. It's a good throw. Terry does a good job breaking the tackle. A slant to Inman that I thought was a throw that was a big-time throw. Thread the needle on the slant route. That's a good throw. A quick out to Terry. Again, easy throw. And a corner route to Logan Thomas when the Eagles blue coverage is an easy throw. I mean, he made four throws. He was four for four. He did what he was supposed to do on that drive. I, I, I don't know what to tell you other than that. Like, one really good throw to Inman, another than that. He made three throws to pretty much uncontested receivers. Tell me the, 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 the touchdown throw, though. Did, didn't you, did you like the design of the play? And I thought that, that's one of I those... Like the cre- I like the pre-stamp motion and what they did. Yeah, I did like that red zone play. Yeah. But it should not have been. Like, it, Logan Thomas should have been contested. If, the, if the he's not there, contested, then McKissick's wide open, right? No. McKissick was covered on the flat. 50 sits there. I don't know what he's doing. I think it's 50. It's the first backer inside of Logan Thomas. Can I just say, I, I've got one quick question about this throw. I, I, I said on Monday, I love his quick release. And I know that this is not, um, this is an easy throw. But God, it's such a, a perfect example of how quickly the ball gets out of his hands. It is such a quick, you know, flick of a throw. And it was accurate to a wide open receiver on a well designed play for a touchdown. But even though he's backpedaling, that thing is just out quickly and with velocity. Yeah, I, I like the throw. I think I can make that throw, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. You could, I think, you know what? I think you and I could go out there and you could throw that to me. I could, not with, um, not with you know. 97 and 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 the others coming down uh, on me. I'd probably. I'm just. I'm looking at this throw. It's just a. It's there's clearly. Don't get, don't, don't get me wrong on any of these throws. He should make. I'm. I'm not gonna doubt. Like I. I'm happy that he made the throws. He should make. I'm also aware that Dwayne can make some big time throws. I'm aware of that as well. And we'll talk about them when they actually happen. But I don't think that drive had much to talk about as far as quarterback play. Right. Okay. It was a slant play, a slant play, a quick out. Well, you like to throw to Inman. You like to throw to Inman. It was four plays in a row that went into day one install. So, yeah, I did. Okay. Keep going. Second half. We're still on Dwayne here to start the film breakdown. We are still on Dwayne. We are almost finished with Dwayne Haskins. And then all of it will be seamless and fly after that. Okay. He gets a completion to Sims, which takes him down to about the two-yard line. It's a touchdown if he throws it outside to Inman or across the field to Logan Thomas. It's actually the wrong read. The Eagles are running what is called a cover two invert. So both their cornerbacks are dropping back and playing the deep halves of the field. They had a safety in the middle of the field who looks like he's going to play middle of the field safety, and he's actually stepping up, and he's the Tampa Mike linebacker. Which player you so, ta- which player are you talking about? I'm sorry. Is it the one that goes to Sims to the two yard line in the third quarter? Yeah, it's after. Oh, it's yeah. after the Moreland pick. Yeah. Got it. So, what? Who's who should he throw it to here? Well, it's a touchdown if he throws it to either Inman or to Logan Thomas. Got it. See it. Yeah. That's a tricky coverage down there, and that's a variation of of cover two that it, it does fool a lot of quarterbacks because they see one safety in the middle of the field. 
and you get this thought, like, well, they can't run cover two here. It's just they can. That guy, the safety steps up and plays the middle, Tampa, and then the corners drop to depth. And if he were to have glanced out to his right, I think it was Matt is bailing pre-snap, and you can see him dropping deep. And he actually drops deep more to the middle and completely aborts Inman, who's running up the outside, and starts to collect on Sims. So that's just a play that that quick release will get it done, though. And Sims does a good job protecting his body. And, again, we're going to learn from that play, and we're going to learn that as a quarterback you can use your eyes to manipulate defense. But at the same time, we're going to learn while we've had success. You know, Cooley, what you realize from the end zone on this, he's got no – it's all wrist. It's all flick. Like there's no step into that throw. It is super quick, but the the footwork right is is not is not great, and it's all wrist. The throw he doesn't step into it. It's really it's interesting to watch his throwing motion. It's one of the reasons it's so quick, but there's no um, there's no there's no legs into a throw for him. On that one, there wasn't. Well, if you watch him throughout the game, it's not necessarily his style. It's just why I think in a lot of situations he's going to lack accuracy because it's hard to throw darts the way he's throwing darts. And at the same time, you look at this throw and it's like, if I was playing, I would have wanted this ball thrown to me as well. If I was Sims, I I want this ball. But if this is 1999 football, I guess that's a a cornerback, but you get guys blown up that way a little bit. It's fine. fine. we got to play down to the two-yard line. You just had two receivers open, and that probably yeah, you know, that probably wasn't the exact right throw, and I'm sure he'd, he'd like it back to, to throw a touchdown on the next play and not have Peyton Barber have to run it in. All right. Uh, the two best throws I thought he made on the day, um, Logan Thomas on the third down, he re- he. He works a slant to his right. The, the safety ends up cutting, and he progresses through, and he hits Logan Thomas, and it's a good ball because Logan's tightly contested, and then Logan jumps forward for two yards. That that moment in the game, that play was huge. Yeah. And then later on that drive, uh, a slant to Inman was absolutely huge. Those were two two of the best throws. And the other best throw, I thought, it was the drive opener on that drive that scored. He hit Logan Thomas on a run-action pass in the middle of the field, threw yeah. it right between the backers. Those are his three best throws of the day, I with, thought. With the game on the line, 17-17. Mm-hmm. Oh, another play that I liked was a third and 15 in the third quarter. It was a comeback to Inman. Um, Inman's taking forever to get out of his break. This is – it's like when you, if you're coaching a high school kid, like, Teach him that seven chop steps at the top of a route doesn't do any favors. The corner's breaking on the route before Inman's turning around. Inman's taking absolutely forever. Um, Dwayne doesn't have time, and so he lets it go. It's, that was a good anticipation throw to man coverage that should have been completed if Inman can get his head turned around. It's like, chop, 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 chop. Did you weigh 195 pounds? Like, can you not come out of a break? This is the NFL. So... I actually thought that was a pretty good throw. The one thing I would say to Dwayne, moving forward in third and 15, if you have man-to-man coverage, 
or what anyone you would call eleven lurk or eleven plug or whatever. There's a free safety and there's a middle linebacker who are basically zoning reading eyes. Everyone else is a man. This is what I would say: work Sims or work Terry. Right. If you got man coverage, work one of your two best receivers. Don't work your third receiver. Um, oh, one more big play that I thought he made that I don't think should go unnoticed. After they convert the fourth down, he has to scramble yeah. from the three-yard line. Sheriff can't pass off a stunt, and he ends up getting himself back to the line of scrimmage. There's a difference between a touchdown and a field goal in that situation. And I thought that was big time. After the fourth and one, um, you're saying that yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that play because I I, I want to. There's s- a first down throw. He ends up having to scramble, and he gets up the middle back to the line of scrimmage. Oh, I think it was called a sack. Yeah, it was. Um, hold on. But that's a huge play by Dwayne. He's got nobody open in the end zone, and oh right. Yeah, no, really no, no. Good job. Not taking a lot. Great, great footwork, great vision to, to to avoid a couple of people and get that thing back to the line of scrimmage. Yep. Big play. See, that's what I'm talking about. That like, allowed – That allowed. the yeah. pocket. Yeah. The other thing with Dwayne – oh, I mean, and then he makes a boot throw. I mean, pretty much that that's a wrap for the game. He makes a little boot throw to Sims. That's not right. a big deal, but it was a big – it was a good play call. The, the thing with Dwayne is if you're not going to start to climb the pocket – you're creating a landmark back there, especially in known passing situations where defensive ends can turn the corner at eight yards and expect you there. Right. If you're not going to step up and be able to move, like if your left guard gets beat, slide up and move right, slide up and move back around. Those are, that's what the best quarterbacks do. Like when you watch Drew Brees, he, he, guys get beat all the time. He makes a miss. When you watch some of these guys, you got to be able to make guys miss back there. You've got to be able to avoid. I mean, for God's sake, I know Wentz got sacked eight times, but the first Bostic blitz where he was unblocked, like he just ducked and Bostic went over the top of him, and he survived the play. Right. You've got to be able to try to avoid back there a little bit better than I thought Dwayne did at some point in the game, and you can't just become a statue standing at nine yards for anybody to come and start swiping the ball. Okay. I have um, the intangibles, Kev. Yes. I thought he did a really good job, for the most part, protecting the ball. I, I don't know if it's protecting the ball or sometimes the throw is just such a bullet that it's called protected. I thought he, he consistently had the offense at the line of scrimmage. He utilized the motions and everything pre-snap really, really well. I thought he did a good job with his cadence throughout the game. Um, I thought poise and leadership consistent throughout the game. So it's it's interesting because I see a guy who's throwing the ball too early, but I don't see a guy who looks panicked. <laughs> so right. yeah, I, I think there's some promise to Dwayne's play, and I think that this is a good learning moment in a new offense for Dwayne, and, and they got to figure out exactly what he's comfortable with and what he can do, and and where they grow from there. Because most of the completions were really basic, simple concepts, and and so we we got to be able to build on that a little bit more. So the grade. Dwayne's grade is a C minus in this game, the and po- that's the poise and leadership friendly. and and the throw to Inman, you know, in a tie game that didn't that that didn't carry. No, no, that didn't. No, okay, he, no, right. that 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 
got it to where it was. I, I saw that as, at best, a C-minus in this game. Like, a C, you can be a C starting quarterback. You start getting below C's, and you're, you're not a starting quarterback in this league. You're not a great quarterback in the C level. Um, I see Dwayne as being able to be, right now, better than that. But he's got he's to be more accurate. He's got to have more touch. And he's got to be able to move in the pocket a little bit better. All right, I have one question about him, and then we'll get to the skill position players. But before I ask the question about him, I want to make sure, just like we used to be and you used to be, clear that this is Cooley grading Dwayne's game, not dr- grading uh, Dwayne's overall ability. He's grading Dwayne's game against the Eagles, you know, the one they played on Sunday, as a C-. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's my one thought slash question. What I noticed a little bit, but much more so in following you through your breakdown of Dwayne is they need to really get more play action into the game for him. And they need to get him on the move and play action. A lot of bootleg, um, because I thought, you know, even that easy throw to Sims, you know, up 24, 17, they got that big play out of that. He just looks more comfortable um, on the move a little bit on that bootleg to McLaurin where he threw back over, you know, to the sort of middle of the field. Mm-hmm. I think he mm-hmm. throws better. Uh, the 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 touch throws in the flat look ugliest to me. Um, the one flick, you know, bad footwork from the pocket, it works and it gets there a lot of the time, but it doesn't look. Smooth. The, the smoothest throws for him are boots and play action, but especially boots where he's on the move sort of against the grain. Yes or no? I, I would tend to agree with that. I think early in the game you make him more of a prototypical type of guy instead of the RPO stuff and some of the, I don't know, some of the quarterback action type of plays where he potentially run I think you get that mixed in into the second and third quarter of games when he starts to become more comfortable I think quick game with some run plays early and then you integrate some run action stuff where he can take some shots I I think that's the best thing you could possibly do they didn't do anything to create big plays downfield I don't think there was anything where Terry was really working double moves or I mean, maybe you're thinking that you weren't going to have enough time, but I just didn't see a lot of shots drawn up. All right. Um, Cooley's going to get to the skill position players next, right after we uh, take this moment for a word from Liquid IV. This is the Athletics Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. 
Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, Kev, let's get to some of the skilled position players. We'll save the offensive line for last. I'm going to start out with the three best skilled position players, in my opinion, from the game. Although it was pretty average across the board. Uh, I, I do like Terry McLaurin. I, I just, he's such an all-around player. He's a guy that you see, like early in the game, he sits down on a deep crossing route, and he sits down and he makes a catch on Dwayne's bootleg out to the right. And, and you just, like he has a sense and he has a knack, and when you watch Terry McLaurin, there's nothing about him that says he's a second-year player or he's a young player. He's a mature football player. Right. He's a good blocker downfield. He consistently makes big plays after the catch. Like you see him breaking tackles more than I think anybody else in this organization or in that organization. I think he, he, his after-the-catch stuff is big time. It, it's fun to watch him off the ball sometimes because he's open off the ball at times or he's, he's doing the right thing off the ball at times. How they use Terry McLaurin will dictate what Terry McLaurin actually is this year. I think you got to find a way to get him down the field and more involved, and especially in some of the third down situations. Like make him your primary guy, design and create for Terry. And maybe that they, maybe they were worried that Darius Slay would be on Terry the entire game, but give Terry a chance to beat him. I don't think they did enough to do that. I thought Terry was a B in this game, but I, I just don't see it him having the opportunities to be an A-type player in this ballgame. Do they have to do what Clinton always says, which is you just force the ball to your best player? Well, yeah, they, they are absolutely going to have to. And if you think about all the motions and all the movements and all the things that they had, Terry wasn't really involved in much of that. You have to find a way to make him involved in that so you can create for him. If you're playing a one corner, let's get Terry on their two corner. Let's find a way to get him into better situations where he can get downfield. For me, that's that's Terry played the most plays of anybody. Yeah, uh, from, from any of the skill skill positions, I, I, I do I like Terry a lot. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and tell you like he's a Z receiver in my opinion until he makes X receiver type of plays this year. And by that, I mean the deep ball over the top, the right. big-time guy. The di- you know what I mean? Well, he like, did that last year. A Z receiver is a guy that's going to take a slant and break a tackle and make a play out of it. I see him as that. I just don't see him as a true X at this point. But the, when I say that, there shouldn't be anything that tells me he's not because I see speed. I see some route running ability. I think he can get better as a route runner, but I still think that he's got some savvy to him. And he showed it in this game. Uh, do you really – so – I want to just make sure that people follow that, you know, that, you know, that don't really follow, you know, X, Y, Z receivers and, 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 and have you explain, you know, the X is really out there on that side by them by itself. But I, uh, my question to you is why is that viewed sometimes as more a number one versus a number two? So the X receiver is always offset from the Y tight end, right? Which essentially means they're offset from the strength. The backside tight end or the slot could be set to them in a double situation, or you could go completely three over and put three guys with the Y away. But the X and Y are polar opposites. The Y is usually the strength. Defenses consider the Y tight end the strength. 
the X, the biggest thing an X can do is make plays when you go three by one away from the X or when the X is on the single side. Like those are the big time X players that you have to bracket or you have to bring a safety over. So you play two players over one and now you have an advantage with the three on the other side. They haven't dictated that yet with Terry. So we'll get there hopefully. Okay. Uh, I mean, remember, Um, remember last year, especially with Keenum, they took a lot of deep shots, and McLaurin's four-three speed was very difficult to, you know, s- s- stay stay with. I mean, when the, you know they, they remember early in that year, they there was a lot of first-down play-action deep shots to him, um, with him being, you know, them trying to force-feed it to him. I don't know if they'll do that in Scott Turner's Here, offense. He had he had one in the game. Okay, and it ended up being an overthrow by Dwayne Haskins, and I didn't put this in the positive or the negative of Dwayne Haskins. So they went with the run-action pass, yeah. and Terry took it into about the hash on an angle, and it, it's really it's called an angle route. He's going to take it into the hash, and then he's going to bend it back out. So it's, it's like back out to the corner. So it's not straight stem. It's inside, like you're selling deep across the field and then bend back out. Terry gets hemmed up. He's got to find a way to sell that further inside, get hands off. Get, oh, he's got to get over the top on that. Is yeah. basically what I'm saying. If he wants to be a one and he wants to win on that play and he wants to get those, he's got to get over the top of the cornerback. One way or another, he's got to find a way to sell it with his stem or sell it with his speed to push to the middle of the field that he just doesn't get rode as he comes back out of that bending to the corner. He did get rode. Got it. So, and that, and that I didn't put that on Dwayne because I thought Dwayne gave him a chance. I, I would maybe would have liked to see that ball have a little more touch, but I, at that, I still don't know if that's going to be a complete ball with good coverage. So I want to see a guy get a step on someone in those situations. That's right. a hard route, in my opinion, but that's what he's got to be able to do. Terry B. Right. Um, Terry McLaurin a Terry B. Sims Jr. Sims, you know Sims Jr. played like 58 plays? Yeah. yeah. It didn't seem like it. I think they realize that he's, he's a game changer and can be. Needs to be on the field. 58 plays, he had three targets, he had three receptions for 50 yards. I, I thought he had the opportunity to have some more. Uh, the thing that stands out in this game initially uh, in the positive is his ability to change speed. Like he tempos the first three or four steps or routes when he needs to. He, he, then he can burst out of those things. That's a savviness uh, that you don't see from a lot of players. We talked about this in detail with the Dwayne Haskins scramble. Right, but Sims is running a five yard in on a third down, and most guys run straight to five yards and in. And Sims is like got a little pause and hesitation step, and then an in break, and the burst out of it is awesome. By the way, on that very same play, Terry McLaurin did the same thing on a slant and separated. He also was open on that play. <laughs> so I, I noted that from Terry on that that particular play. But man, Sims is a guy that can change speed. He's a guy that can burst after the catch. He's should get more of those little screen plays. He had that nice little slip screen early in the ball game. Uh, he, he can go up and get a ball. That ball he caught down to the two-yard line right. that they ended up scoring their second touchdown. That's a huge play yeah. by a little dude. Yeah, he caught it in traffic. He caught it in traffic. He's got good hands. Um, it's a great play on the bootleg at the end of the game. Just a burst out of it with the ball. He, he scares people. So to me, like Sims is another guy. You got to find a way to get vertical down the field. If Terry's going to dictate coverage, we got to get Sims downfield. Don't treat him as a slot. Treat him as your number two and get him down the field. 
there was one opportunity where they did have a chance. They were trying to take a chance early in the game. It was a run action pass that Dwayne threw away. He's running the John Gruden banana route. So he's going to sell like he's running a deep crossing route from the right side. And then Spi- is that a spider Y banana? Yeah, it would be a spider Z banana. Okay. Because he's the Z, but yeah, yeah, that would be it. It's just that banana didn't have any curve to it. You know, that was a real stiff looking banana. Like they get bananas. Got da- you know what? They're not right. Those stiff, those stiff bananas. You, they got a little too much green on them. You got to wait a couple days. One more step, just a little bit more patience on that double move, and he's going to be open. But it's almost like this feel like so you're running on. You start on the right side of the formation. You're deep crossing in the corner, or the player, the DB's outside of you and behind you. It's almost like out of your right eyes, you're running deep across. You have to feel them start to cut across the field on the crosser. And right when you feel them cut, that's when you break. So to me, it doesn't matter how far you take it into the middle of the field. It's, it's as far as you need to take it to push that player to cut it. And then you come back out of it. Other than that, I thought Sims was pretty good. He was a B in this game. Logan Thomas. You like him, though, the new don't tight you? End. You like him. I love Sims. I think he's going to be a a consistent good player. I see him as more than a slot. More than just a slot. Don't you think think he's going to carry the ball, too, on a lot of that fly sweep and and motion action? I'd rather have Sims carry the ball than Gibson on fly sweep stuff. Okay. Right now. Can't wait till Gibson's review and grade here. Okay, Sims Jr. B. Who's up next? Logan Thomas. Okay. There are some things that I like about Logan Thomas. I think that in the run game, he's physical. You you remember last year when he knocked Ryan Kerrigan out. Right. I've never seen – that's a cross-the-line of scrimmage. I'd forgotten about that. When the plays KO'd Ryan Kerrigan. He had one early in the game where he went down and cut the D-end and blew him up on a cut block. You do that a couple times as a tight end, and they don't want any more. Like, this is this sucks. Like, I think he's got some physicality to him. Now, that said, the first negative I'm going to get to, they run this little counter play that ends up bouncing outside. He doesn't, he doesn't block anybody on that play. That, the that's the Gibson out run. There, yeah. And he's the only player outside. Ergo, block him. Yeah, he just, just run into him. Like, he just ran into him and was like, wait, wait, wait. Was that my guy? I think it was. Shit, that was my guy. I saw but, that. Somebody somebody tweeted that play out. He also missed somebody in the backfield on that. Well, he's bypassing the player in the backfield. Okay. Yeah, he's supposed to run past the player in the backfield because you want that you want that defensive lineman to go down the line of scrimmage and we're counting on him being unblocked and it bouncing outside of him. It's almost like a reverse kind of deal. So you just block the corner and then we have a touchdown. Or not. Yeah. That was weird. Uh, the near interception on the third down and four, I, I think that it's a poor angle by Logan Thomas. It, look, let's just be really clear. On the ma- on Thomas the ma- on the near Maddox interception you're talking about. Yeah, let, let me just be clear. Like this doesn't I don't see Logan Thomas as a guy that's gonna win against man to man coverage. Really? But he's not your third down it. No. I think he's got some speed, but like, like you look at the catch he made on the run action pass to start a drive over the middle of the field, yeah. and that's to me Logan Thomas. He's got the speed to press 
the seam and press vertically so he can get into some open zones well into the timing of the play and make those type of plays. But I don't see him as a, a quick twitch. I think he's stiff. I think he's stiff in his hips. I think he runs way too upright. Um, but I do think he, he's physical. I mean, and, and for example, like he caught a little screen play. Like, is, is he that easy to tackle? Like, he got brought down by one dude immediately. Right. But I do like him. I think he's better than they've had. It's interesting. I, think, I, I, I thought you I think were going to. all right in the run game. I thought you were going to tell me that he had some athleticism, cor- former quarterback, former basketball player kind of ability to get open and separate. I'm not saying at the Jordan Reed level because that was ridiculous. But I thought I saw a little bit of wiggle, too. I don't see a lot of wiggle. Okay. Logan Thomas. He was a B minus. B minus for Logan Thomas. Uh, Gibson. Yeah. Gibson is a physical runner. That play that he ran through, I think, might have been Malik Jackson pulling his shirt. Yeah. That was a Logan Thomas play where he didn't block anybody, right? One of them. <laughs> I think so. He's pulling his shirt, and just a leg drive from Gibson was awesome. He had a great run in the second quarter for 18 on a trap play, so he's running it in between the tackles. But that second quarter 18-yard carry, you freeze frame that at about seven yards downfield and tell me that that's not a house call. And then he just runs straight into Terry McLaurin and falls down. <laughs> Terry tackled him. <laughs> he runs a little upright too, doesn't he? He runs a little upright. I'm concerned about his break tackle ability in the open field off of one game. I do like his hands out of the backfield. We've talked about Dwayne's lack of touch, but he made a couple catches out of the backfield. I think he's a better route runner than any of the other backs. I'd like to see him utilize more as, as, as a route runner. I said that he could be used as an, as an H-back type player, like maybe could be blocked, a decent blocker. But that Logan Thomas screen we just talked about, he had a complete miss block on that play that his guy tackled Logan Thomas. Like, if you want to do things, he, he, like, I always think about it this way. Like, if I want guys to block for me on a screenplay, like, I better block for them on a screenplay. Like, I see a burst. I see some quickness. I see some real rawness to him. Like, he, he, I don't see him as a true back at this point. Okay. Like, I, like I see him as a, as a versatile guy that, but, but I do think at the same time, like, I think they use McKissick in some third down situations. And they even used him, like, extended from the line just a little bit, chipping. To me, that's Gibson. That's, that's the Gibson role. It's essentially make him your next receiver in third down plays. Got it. He, I thought he was a C-plus in this game. Oh, and the other thing, you know, he got tackled in the backfield on one. Yeah. Well, one little counter play. First, first two plays, or one of the first two plays. He got run down from the backside. The end is unblocked. I think it just took forever to develop. I think he took too long. Okay. I mean, he's practiced it. He's definitely trying to sell front side and counter, and he's set up. And I just think it took too long. Okay, a um, couple McK- more, uh, just quickly. McK- Inman. Oh, Inman, yeah. Uh-oh. I don't think um, this going to be good. I'm not impressed with Inman too much. I, he made a couple catches on slant that I, that I like. I think he's in this game was average at getting off any kind of press, getting any kind of separation. To me, he didn't look like he was fast off of the ball. 
Um, he was a C minus. Oh, and there was I, we just mentioned that eighteen yard carry yeah. by Gibson. If you pull that up and tell me how Inman gets away with holding, like every time he blocks somebody, he's grabbing outside of their pads. It was a clear and defined hold. Oh, and by the way, I went through the PFF grades. They gave him a positive. Like they don't give positives that often, especially in the run game. He got a positive. So if it's a flag, it's called negative two on Inman. But if it's not, it's a positive. <laughs> but it should have been a negative. But they weren't calling holding on Sunday. So there you go. But it was a hold. Okay. Okay. Um, Peyton Barber. I, I like Peyton Barber. Me too. I think that he has really good patience. I thought he showed good vision. His ability to run with the ball, like he had a stiff arm at one point. He can run through contact. In tight spaces was good. In, in around the end zone was good. I think Peyton Barber is a pretty good player. He didn't have a ton of carries. Like, I would have liked to see Peyton Barber get – I mean, I say that. I guess he had – No, he I was – 17 carries. I, I, on Monday, his 17 carries for 29 yards, and I said, if you just read that stat line, I don't think – I think you'd miss the point. Barber's vision and patience in some of those big runs, especially down at the goal line, were really impressive. I, I agree with you. I thought he looked good. You know, he's never had that a high yard. to get the first down. Exactly. Huge. Huge, because it didn't look like there was going to be – I thought that when he took that pitch, I didn't think he was going to make it. Yeah, I, I, he made the most out of it. I, I like I Peyton Barber. It's weird because I, I graded him a B in this game, and, it, and it's like you look at his, his stats and it's a D. Right. But I thought he made plays when he had to make plays, and I thought he ran with – some good patience. I, th- I thought, like watching him with a couple of the cuts that he made and a couple of the things that he did, I actually liked Peyton Barber in this game. I I, I did too. And remember, remember Cooley, he had that really good game, the game where Tampa had 500 yards and only scored three points. But he was really good in that game. And I remember making sort of a note. I'm like, that guy runs with patience and with really good vision. And yet he's never really been a guy that's generated a a big statistical season. You know, his yards per average carry his career is not very impressive. Like, um, I'm going to pull it up right now because I know it's it's always in the threes. Right. Yeah, 3.1 last year, 3.7, 3.9. His first year in Tampa, but he only had 55 attempts. Um, it was 4.1. But when he really became more of a of of a, a a guy that could get a bunch of carries, he's in the in the low to mid threes as an average, three seven, three nine, actually higher threes. But yeah, I liked him too. Um, what about McKissick? I didn't like McKissick in this in this ball game. I didn't think McKissick really did anything to impact the game. I thought he had a couple missed assignments. He missed the protection. Yeah, the drop pitch, now I know someone's in your face. But I wasn't blown away by McKissick. I thought he was a D in this game. I didn't think he really created any impact. I didn't see it. But they must see it in him, and maybe it was just sure. a bad performance because he had, uh, of the running backs, He had the, I think he had the most snaps, right? Maybe yeah, he, he had did. in the 40s. Uh, thirty-one. But he was in on all snaps. the third down plays, right? Oh, he was thirty-one. He was in on all the third down plays. Yeah. So they so, mu- they must like him, and we heard that coming out of camp. I I didn't think there was much. I liked him in Detroit though when he was there. Um, but anyway, uh, 
You got him as a D. Who else offensively at skill position? Sprinkle played a bunch of snaps. Yeah, like Sprinkle wasn't very good in this game. Let's okay. just leave it at that. Okay. And Marcus Baugh played 27 plays, which is crazy. He wore number 85. He's not – could have Charlie Warner. I'm just going to say it a million <laughs> times. He's probably going to play for San Francisco this week because Kittle's hurt. Could have Charlie Warner. I talked to Charlie Warner two days ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. Would you just tell him you're really happy he made the, made the team? I told him I knew he was going to make the team. Yeah, you did. <laughs> All right, let's get to the offensive line. Um, right. i, I got to do a quick spot for my bookie, and then you can finish up with the offensive line. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. My bookie right now is doubling your first deposit up to $1,000. The NFL is back. It's your opportunity to get back into it. And as I've mentioned many times, my bookie's reliable. They've got fair lines. They've got plenty of ways to bet. You can't go wrong. Even if you already have a place where you're wagering on sports, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a second place, and they're going to give you, you know, up to a thousand dollars in a double your deposit situation. So you might as well take advantage of it, and then you can compare lines. Like you, most guys that really bet a lot will have a couple of places so they can get the best possible point spread, the best possible pricing. My bookies point spreads, their pricing, everything's fair, they're reliable. You get paid if you win, which is most important. The NFL's back. You can bet with the best in my book. Bookie.ag uh, for your chance to win big. Use my promo code Kevin DC. That's K-E-V-I-N DC, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Kev, we'll finish with the offensive line. As exciting as this is, I will tell you before we begin this part of the program that on Monday you said I just didn't think Dwayne had time. And I, I kind of said, I thought it was okay in situation. You were right. It wasn't very good. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> think it was very good. I mean, he could make it better in some situations, but gosh, it wasn't very good. Let's start with Jerron Christian. We'll go left to right across the board. Uh, the way I like to do this, because they're so impactful on every play, and it's funny, they play the most plays, you grade them the most grades, you write the most notes, and people care the least about these trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think because this is a perceived weakness offensively, along with a wide receiver, and because yeah. Christian's been a big question mark, and they're going to have to figure out the left side, I think people are going to be very interested in how you grade out these guys in this first game, considering they won the right. game. Well, I like to do this, essentially, a run grade and a pass game, and, you, and a pass grade, and you can pretty much put them together, because they're two really different situations. So we'll start with Jerron Christian. In the run game, he's not physical. He's got to be more downhill. He's got to use his hands better. He's got to play lower. On the backside and on double teams, he's getting too far behind his own player that he's double teaming with. It's almost like humping Wes Martin at times. You're like, dude, you don't need to hump Wes Martin. Like, he's better suited to actually get ass, ass cheek to ass cheek moving forward instead of just ramrodding. Oh, here, let me come ooh, ooh, let me push from <laughs> It's like, guys do it to my big. I hate when they do this. It drives me freaking nuts. It was coached last year. This was actually coached last year. I don't know how they're going to coach things this year, but I, and I don't know how long it'll take guys to get out of some of these techniques if they are coaching in a new way. But, God, that drove, it just drove me nuts last year. Um, it just Again, catching too much. Like, he'd get there, he'd have the first step, and then he'd catch. Like, wait. Like, if you have the first step, attack, you've won. 
Right. Go knock him downfield. Just don't sit there and catch him. You get a first step, you got a little space, and you're like, okay, now is he going to run into me? Okay, now I'll catch him and let him push me back. Like, I saw that too much. Uh, in the past game, I, like, I didn't. I thought the first half was pretty good by, by Christian. Uh, he gave up the sack fumble that at least he recovered. That would have been an absolute backbreaker at that point in the game. It would have caught, killed all the momentum. It would have been a disaster, but it ended up working out. And then I thought he... You know, I thought he started to open his hips too quick. And I'll explain that. When you, when you have especially a tackle, they're in what's called a kick slide. So they, on the left side, you kick his left foot back and then slide his right foot straight back. Right. And you're doing this while you're keeping your hips facing downfield. He needs to get to his third big kick before he tries to open his hips and turn and pivot. When you open too quick, you give up the edge. That's what happened on the sack fumble, and it happened on a couple pressures later in this game, and really, it's a result of pure panic. That's what it is. It's panic. So, you got to be more physical in the run game, and, and because you give up a sack or because you give up pressure, it doesn't mean you panic the rest of the game. And he started to give up some pressure, pressures late. I thought four pressures and a sack and a sack and the fumble as well. To me, in the run game, Christian was a D. In the pass game, I thought he was a C. I thought there were some bad plays, but I thought there were some positive there. So, essentially, you're saying in between D and C. You'd say C plus, or B, you say C plus, C, or you could you say, say C minus. Say C minus. You say whatever C you mi- want to say. Between D and a C would be a C minus. Right. Okay. Well, let's call it a D plus because he gave up a sack fumble. Okay. No penalties. Wes Martin. I like Wes Martin. I, I he was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft. He was not very good in this game. Oh my God! Did he get his ass kicked well, on that first third yeah. down play? Now, to be Somewhat fair, McKissick chips the defensive end, who then runs into the back of Malik Jackson, and it changes the dynamic of the field for a pass protector. But seriously, like, really good job. He must have roller skated backwards as a kid a little bit, not falling <laughs> down right away. Right. <laughs> um, I think that he can be more impactful in the run game. The double teams between him and Christian weren't really good, but Christian didn't help that. He wasn't powerful, like I think he can be at the line of scrimmage, and he was bold too much in the pass game. He gave up five pressures. He gave up way too much pressure. It's a good front. The Eagles are good, but it wasn't Cox on his side. It was, Malik Jackson's a good player, but it wasn't Fletcher Cox. Uh, C- minus in the run game, D in the pass game for Wes Martin. Mm, that's more like a D+. Plus. That's the same grade you get, yeah. Christian. But you like him as a player. I do. I do. I think that... He can be a decent player. The center, Chase Ruye. Yeah. Way too much uh, holding on at the last second, not enough drive, not enough physicality. He needs to play with more physicality in this game. Uh, lost a lot of blocks in the past game late. Uh, Fletcher Cox came in and you know, kind of bullied him around a little bit over the middle. He gave up multiple pressures in this game. I think he does a good job in space. When you get him out and pulling and on the move, he does a good job. Although Sims on the one screen that Sims had for a good screen, I would like to see Ruye just cut block Ruye's guy ends up forcing Sims out of bounds. Just cut him down. And then Sims can make a decision where he wants to go off of that. Right. But I do think Ruye's got some athleticism and some good movement in space. Um, not physical enough in the middle. And not consistent enough in finishing plays. He was a D in the run game. He was a C in the pass game. Brandon Sheriff. C-minus. 
so this is my first thing. In the run game, Brandon can be whatever he wants to be. He's so stout. He's so physical. He's got so much strength. And he's still trying to turn and torque people. Now, again, they were coached to do this last year on some of the zone run plays. When somebody takes an edge or one side of you, they just turn and torque and expose the hole. Like almost pull with one hand, push with the other, and just torque them. It eliminates the possibility of the back going to that side or any further. The theory would be that it would open up a hole inside of him. I hate this. It's shit, in my opinion. It was how he was coached, though. I don't know what it's going to be, but I hate seeing it. I'm going to downgrade on him. I'm going to downgrade him on the torques. Other people might not. Well, is, um, it, is it his fault, God, or is he just doing what he's being coached? Can't tell you. Don't have the answer to that right now. But I, I think it's just sloppy football. I think it's lazy. Just keep moving your feet and keep running your player because he's so good that if he just runs his player, he can run him out of out of the equation. I mean, God, think of all the times in the, in this game as well. Like Brandon Sheriff, when he's pulling and when he's in space, he is an absolute nightmare. Right. Like you, you get him in space and on the move, and he's an absolute nightmare. Um, I do think that he got pushed around a little bit by Fletcher Cox in this game. He gave up that RPO sack. That I mean. You just can't get pushed back like that. I, I think he missed a couple stunts in the past game. Look, I like Brandon Sheriff. I, I think he's a tremendous player. It's just nothing he's shown me in the in this game is indicative of a player that deserves a massive guard guard contract. He was a C plus in the run. He was a C plus in the pass. He gave up a sack. He gave up three pressures, and there were very little impact plays where I say Brandon Sheriff made that play happen. Okay, C, C plus, plus for Sheriff. Was it the best offensive line grade? Because so far it is. Well, it's not because the best is Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses actually did a tremendous job in the run game. You got him out in space. I mean, the fourth and two, I think anyone can visualize that big-time play. When he was out moving, he looked like he had some of his athleticism back. I mean, keep in mind the last couple years, it's like ankle problem after ankle problem. But diving to make blocks late and make plays, there was a trap play that bounced out to the left that Morgan dove and ended up knocking his guy out on the second level away from the play, but his guy would have made the play. And it was like, God, it's ugly. But, man, the effort to get that done is so big time. And I thought Morgan did a pretty good job as a pass protector. Really, to me, it was only like one pressure that he gave up as a pass protector in, in, in this ball game. So the right side between Sheriff and Moses should be fine. Um, Moses, to me, I thought he was close to an A in the run game. I can't find a ton. And I thought he was a B in the B plus ish. To me, Morgan's like an A minus in this game. Wow. There it is. It took us a while, but the very last player, unless you graded out Wes Schweitzer, who played six snaps, um, the very yep. last player was the highest graded player in the game, Morgan Moses. And, and across the board, the offensive line, it, you'd be, it was a D plus, C minus performance at best by this offensive line. And essentially, if you were to grade the entire offense, I, I thought made a couple plays when they had to make plays and finished a couple drives that were critical down there in the red zone. But they did not; they do not strike fear into anybody as an offense. Uh, that was excellent. I mean, this, this is an offense that you're you're not going to be not going to be that worried about. But that, it's fun to watch. And, and keep in mind, when I do this, it, it was just one game. One game, and it's an offense that's got a new offensive coordinator and a second-year quarterback, and a young offensive line. Like, they're an offense that could grow. We could, this, these could get better as the season goes on. Yeah, I, 
I, I first of all, I, for me overall, the the biggest surprise for me is that um, you uh, is that you graded um, Dwayne a C minus. That's that's my biggest surprise. I really thought you were going to come in here and you were going to tell me because of the big plays he made, um, because of the clutch plays that he made, that even all the stuff we saw early in the game, that that trumps a lot of it and that maybe he was a B-minus kind of a Because I think that's what I – I didn't grade him. I should have um, on the radio show or maybe earlier this week on the podcast. I think I would have given him a, a B-minus because he came through in the same way he did in the Detroit game last year where he had a terrible game, but he came through with big plays when winning the game was a possibility and he delivered. Um, I think that's my biggest surprise. I thought he would have been a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, in listening to you, I know I know it's fair. Um, and your concerns about touch passing, the, the touch on his passes was something that Rivera mentioned. And I can see, even with a non-expert, uh, you know, opinion on on quarterback play technically I can see that the footwork isn't consistent or very good um I do think though the more in in listening to you do this they got to figure out a way to get him you know on a lot of bootlegs early and get some easy throws and it seems like his touch on bootlegs is better anyway it sounds like you're wrapping up too um great job oh Uh, no I just I just had this car button just turned on, so I wasn't. All right, but yeah, no. Go I do think your thing. Pretty good. We'll do. We'll do defense tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right, great job from Cooley. First film breakdown of the year. He'll do defense tomorrow, um, and uh, we'll be doing this uh, all year long. Um, appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody.